You know, they had a song. Uh, I grew up listening and singing along with the Beatles like most people my age. And, uh, but they had a song that said, All You Need Is Love. See, everybody knows that. All You Need Is Love. We're going to talk about that today, but there's different kinds of love, aren't there? Last week, we looked at Judas and, you know, that he betrayed Jesus, and it was a horrible thing. It was a dark day, a dark day in the life of Judas, and, and you know, Jesus kind of really felt it deeply. It says he was troubled by it. It really hurt him. Really, he felt it. And he was the son of God, but he was also what? The son of man. And so he was fully man as well as fully God. And, and uh, you know, but you think about some of the things that Jesus said and did. And, and when Jesus was on the cross, uh, one of the things that he says, you know, Father, forgive them. And, you know, that's the... I think the secret is forgiveness for those that have, you know, betrayed us. And even when we betray others, that we need to be forgiven. So Judas, he, he was very close to Jesus and he turned, he turned from the light of the world to the ruler of the darkness. And that's a very sad thing. Today, we're going to kind of turn it around and, and we're going to look at the light of the world from the darkness of last week and what was going on to the light of what Jesus is talking about today. And his subjects that that he's going to talk about in the section today are two things, really, the cross and love. The cross and love. But I I saw that some people had uh, made these pictures or these diagrams where the cross equals love. And I think you could probably say that true. Uh, too, as well. There, you know, the, the cross, the love that sent Jesus to the cross and, and love, and, and what, what does that all mean? So let's pick it up where we left off. John chapter 13, verse 31. John 13, 31. It says, when he was gone, that's Judas. When Judas had left, like, things changed radically. Judas was there in the room There was tension, there was, you know, and Judas leaves, and what happens? Jesus now begins to talk about the cross and about love. He says this, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. I don't know about you, but there's a key word in this passage that I can see. Anybody see it? What's the key word? Glory or glorify. You know, that the glory of God is shining forth. As I said, there's this, this brightness, this light. And uh, the, the, the Old Testament talks about the Shekinah glory of God, and it's this brightness of God. And, and what is he talking about here in these two verses? Where is this glory going to be manifested but in the cross? He says, now. And again, we are within the 24-hour period that, that's leading up to the cross. He says, now it's time. Previously, he's been saying, you know, it's not the hour hasn't come yet. It's not time yet. But now he's saying, now the time has come. The Son of Man would be glorified. The Father would be glorified. Uh, you know, Jesus and, the, and the, 
Father being one. But notice this here. He says the Son of Man, and he talks about the Son of Man. Jesus used that term for himself. He's the only one that used it about him in the New Testament. In the Gospels, 81 times. It was his favorite term for himself. I think it's because, excuse me, he realized uh, so deeply the fact that he had come to the earth to take the form of a man, and he was now the Son of Man. But the Son of Man is also a messianic term, meaning that it's prophesied about in the Old Testament of the Messiah who would take on this role of the Son of Man. In fact, Daniel says it like this. He says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. And he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. See, Jesus fulfilled this prophecy of Messiah that he's the Son of Man and and all will worship him and his power and his glory and his dominion will never pass away. So five times this word is used here, this glorify, and it means to glorify, to honor, to magnify, to praise, to show forth uh, the glory. And as I've already mentioned, how is he going to do that? How is the Son of Man going to be glorified? How is the Father going to be glorified? But the cross. The cross. Look back in chapter 12 for just a moment in, in verse 23. Chapter 12, just look the page before Verse 23, it says this, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. See that? But then he goes on to explain in verse 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. So he's talking about death there. What is he talking about being glorified? It is the cross. The cross is going to show the glory of God in in all of its brilliance, all of its incredible uh, shining forth. You know, this is kind of the first part of this this idea of love because it's it's the the glory of God and, and the Messiah, the eternal Son of God, the Son of Man, that He's glorified in the cross and the resurrection. Jesus said to His disciples, He said that the Son of Man, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. So this this glory was going to happen to the Son of Man, but it came in the cross and the resurrection. Pastor Chuck said the cross is the place of glory. The cross is the place of of glory. Matthew Henry, I love what he said. He said this about the cross and about what Jesus did there. He says, it's a glorious victory over Satan and all the powers of darkness, a glorious deliverance for his people by this death to reconcile them to God, a glorious example of self-denial. And I will add a glorious example of love. That's really what it is. 
So that's really what it was all about. The glory shining forth, but what it's really all about is love. All you need is love, they sang about. But, but this, is a, this is a different thing. They weren't singing about this, were they? Not to my knowledge. What does John 3.16 tell us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the, the Son of Man and the Father, they're glorified in the cross as they shine forth the, the glory and the love that he has for, for you and for me, for the whole world. But what happens next is that he is now calling us to that kind of love. He's calling us. I've titled this message, A New Command, Love as Jesus Did. And and Jesus is calling us to that now as well. Look at verses 33 through 35. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. Now we're going to look at that verse in more detail next week. But he starts off by saying, my children, this is the only time that Jesus ever used that term, but, but for Jesus to call them my children also shows us who he is, that he is one with the Father. But look at verses 34 and 35, because this is where we want to focus in on today. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, notice he doesn't call it a suggestion, does he? A new suggestion I have for you, my friends, my little children. It's a command. This is something he's commanding us to do. And, and again, The Son of God, the Son of Man, the one that shines forth in all of His glory is giving us a command. That's not an optional thing where we can take it or leave it. He says it's a command that you and I, and the command is this, that that we should love one another. Love one another. I want you to keep your uh, finger or marker in John chapter 13 And I want you to go back with me to 1 John, the epistle of 1 John, which is like very close to the the end, near the book of Revelation. It's just two books away from the book of Revelation. Well, actually, if you count 2 and 3 John, it's more like four. But if you'll turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, we're going to, and kind of keep a place in there too, because we're going to look at a number of verses in. 1 John as well as John 13. But let's start in 1 John chapter 3. He kind of spells this out. Now, now John, uh, the apostle, is writing this letter, right? The 1 John, the letter or the epistle of 1 John. He also has written to us or for us the gospel of John. John is the apostle of love. He's known as the apostle of love. In fact, they say when he was very old, they would carry him around because he couldn't walk anymore. They would carry him around and they would put him in front of the group of people and he would say these words, love one another. 
That's what the tradition says. I kind of think there's something to that because he talks about it so, so much and he expounds on it so much in the letter of 1 John especially. But look at 1 John 3.23. What does he say there? He says, uh, chapter 3, not 2. He says this, and this is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. The first thing he says is to believe. You need to believe in Jesus. And the second half of that is to love one another as he commanded us. To love one another as he commanded us. Now, Jesus said in in John 13, it was a new command. Now, had anybody ever heard that before? Was it really new? There are actually two different words for new. One means new in time, and the other means new in kind of essence or a new kind. Something that was, I looked this up in the, in the uh, Strong's, and it said it was a new kind, unprecedented novel, which interestingly enough, interestingly enough is the, the word they're, they're using a lot of these words for the coronavirus, right? Unprecedented, novel. But Jesus is saying, there's something that you got to get here. This is a new commandment I'm giving you. There's something deep here. There's something special. There's something fresh. There's something that I want you to get. And, it, and the, I think one of the biggest things about it is this, is that it's new in the extent of it, in, in, the, in that it points directly to the cross. It's not just, oh, I love you, I love you. He, he's pointing now directly to the cross. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus love? Look back in 1 John chapter 2. He brings us a little bit of definition, I think. Verses 7 and 8. Chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. He says, dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. And in fact, it was around. He says, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him. In who? In Jesus and you. The love is seen in Jesus and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. There's something light. Again, the, the glory of the cross, but you could also say the glory of love. The glory of the love of Jesus. And now he's saying for you and me, we need to have that love. He said it to his disciples. Jesus said, love one another. How? What was the standard? He says, as I have loved you. As I have loved you. Now this word for love, uh, you all know there are different words for love in the New Testament, right? Most of you know that. There's a lot of Philadelphia is what? One of them. Brotherly love, there's uh, uh, two other types of love, but the one we're talking about here now is what? Agape, this agape love. And it's, it's kind of a, a God kind of love. It's a new kind of love. It's a, it's a caring love. It's a, a other-centered love. Most of the love that you and I have naturally is really kind of a self, selfish love. We really love somebody because of what they can do for me because of how they make me feel. 
But that's not what he's talking about here. He says, he says, love one another as I have loved you. How did he love them? We saw last time or, or two weeks ago, he loved them. He says he was going to show them the full extent of his love and he, and he served them. He humbled himself and served them. Well, how did Jesus love us in the cross? He humbled himself and he gave up his very life. Isn't that true? Look at, again, 1 John 3. And this is kind of interesting because it's 3.16, like John 3.16, but now 1 John 3.16. Look what it says there. This is how we know what love or agape is. He defines it for us. The, the best commentary we have on Scripture is what? Scripture, to explain what the Scripture means. The best commentary is itself, not what some man says or what some man thinks. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's what agape is. He laid down his life for us. And he goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We ought to lay down our lives. Jesus said it, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus Christ laid down his life. He laid down his life, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John 15, he says this, greater love is what? Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love, he says, than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. John Corson says that, that we should love in a way that costs us our life. It costs us our life. You know, G, uh, Paul talks about it in, in Ephesians chapter 5. What does he say? Love your wives as Christ loved the church, and what? And gave himself up for her. Gave himself up. Lay down his life, love in a way that costs us our lives. I don't know about you, but when I think about this, and, and as, as I've kind of tried to get my mind around this, the, the conclusion that I come to is this. This is impossible. This is impossible for me to, to love people the way Jesus loved them. You know what I mean by that? In and of myself, I don't got it. I do not have it. It's not a natural fleshly thing to, to lay down your life for someone else. There's something that, that's bigger than us when that takes place. I like this little quote. It says, it says this, To dwell above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story. It's not so easy, is it? It's not easy at all. So I, I believe, and I see this in the scriptures, that it's got to come from another source. What is the source? Where are we going to get that love? John Lennon? All you need is love. Where are we going to get the love? Again, 1 John 
chapter 4 now gives us the answer. Look what it says. Let's pick it up. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. How many, I don't know how many times that's said over and over. But look what he says. Dear friends, let us love one another. For what? What does it say? Love comes from God. Agape comes from God. Whoever, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is agape. It is very nature of who he is. This is how God has showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The son who gave himself. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Where are we going to get this agape love? Dig deep. Pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We're going to get, you know, we're going to, I just, I'm going to really love that person today. I've made up my mind. I'm going to really lay down my life that per, for that person. And then it starts to get a little bit difficult. And we say, well, I'm not sure if today's the right day for that. I'm not sure if now is the time. I'm not sure if I'm ready. And, and they just looked at me funny. So I'm not going to do it today. Maybe another time. Are we thankful that Jesus didn't say that? Jesus laid down his life for us. He didn't look around and say, well, you know. In fact, Paul tells us that when we were still sinners, when we were actually hating him, he came and died. He laid down his life for us. He showed us what love is. Not because of something that was coming towards him. Because actually it was the opposite. Galatians 5 tells us that love is what? A fruit of the Holy Spirit. He talks about it here, the verses we just read, that as we know God, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. As we get to know Him more and more, that is where the love comes from. Love, this, this relationship that we have with Him by the Holy Spirit living within us. We have this we have this uh, power of love that, that we just don't have in, in and of ourselves. We need to realize that. We need to understand that. It says in 1 Thessalonians up on the screen, May the Lord make your agape increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, as, just as ours does for you. May the Lord make this happen. So thinking about this, it's got to, we don't have it in and of ourselves. We've got to get it from God. But what does it look like? We have to ask ourselves, well, how does, that, how does that look? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us it's, it's not speaking well. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not prophecy. It's not wisdom. It's not knowledge, not faith, not giving. But what does it look like? This is agape love now. This isn't normal, natural love. It says love is a patient. Love is kind. 
does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. I don't know about you, but you look at a list like that and you go like, wow, how could that ever be? It can only be by the Holy Spirit of God working in us, working through us. I, I wrote down a, a couple of thoughts as well, this idea of agape. It means to lay down, to let go of my rights, my will, my plans, my choice, my pride, my place, my time, my resources, my money. Lay down all of those things for the other person. That's agape. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Ephesians, Paul says this, we see the same thing. Be imitators of who? Of God. As beloved children and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That, I, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. As we are imitating God and we see what Jesus did and we're asking him for that love within us to come forth out of us, but the example and the standard as, is as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And, and, and as we do that, it's this fragrant offering. It's this beautiful fragrance that fills the air. And I think God is just blessed and pleased. So what do we do? Well, I think, I think what, we did, what we need to do is to pray. Right? We need to pray. And I found this prayer by Pastor Chuck. And, and if there's one thing about Pastor Chuck, he was, a, he, he was an example of love. And he wasn't perfect by any means, but there was something about it, something about the, 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 the ministry that he had that was, was known by love. And I found this prayer, and he said this. He said, Lord, we want this love. We want our lives to be marked by this kind of love. Jesus, work in us now. Let your Holy Spirit just fill us now with your love that we might indeed love one another even as you have loved us. Even as you have loved us. Again, that's a good prayer. If you want that prayer, I'll, uh, I'll send it out on our email list and and uh, let me know. But it's something we need to pray and ask God for. Ask God for it. The last verse we're going to look at as we wrap this up is found in verse 35 of John chapter 13. What does it say? Everyone will know that you are my disciples 
if you love one another. It's a distinguishing mark. It's the proof. If we really are truly the disciples of Jesus, we are going to love one another. And people are going to be able to see that. People will know that we're, that we're his disciples. Why? Because we wear suits on Sunday? Because we give a lot of money? Because we know all the right words? Because all the different things we can come up with? Because we go to church on Sunday? No, he says the people, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is what he's calling us to do. And, and it's a mark. It's a standard. It's, it's what people see. One last quote is this. The most compelling evidence, the most compelling evidence we can present of the reality of Jesus Christ is our love for one another. You want to know how to let people know that Jesus is real? They'll see it if we, if we love one another as, as disciples, as followers of Jesus. That's, that's what Jesus said. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Pretty heavy stuff, huh? But that's what Jesus said is his command. It's not a suggestion. It's not you know, a, a thought. It's a command. He's calling us to love one another. So we better get praying, right? We better get praying. Let's pray right now. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and we confess that we are really... Uh, really at a loss. How, how can we be like that? How can we do what you command us to do? How can we love the way you loved? How can we be anything like what you were like? We confess that we just don't have it. We just don't got it. Husbands don't have it for their wives. Wives don't have it for their husbands. We don't have it for one another. We're, we're more concerned about ourselves and what I need, what I want, what I care about, what I plan. And yet you called us to other-centered love, to lay down our lives and what, lay down our will. Jesus, you said that in the garden too, not my will, but yours be done because he loved you, Father. Jesus, I pray that you'd fill us, fill us with your love, help us. We don't have it. It's not an emotion, it's a spiritual thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. Fill us with your love that we might truly be able to do what you've called us to do. That this church would be a place where people would come in and say, wow, there's some love here. There's something happening here and it's love. I feel love. As soon as I walk in the door, there's love. Jesus, you can do that here in us. I think you already are doing it, but we pray you do it more and more. And I pray you do it on a personal level as we interact with each other, as we care about the other and love one another the way you loved us. Jesus, I pray too for any here this morning that, that don't know who you are, that don't have that relationship that I talked about earlier and 
Maybe that's you. You need a relationship with God. You don't, you're in the darkness. You, you want light. You want love in your life. Well, Jesus has it, and he asks you just simply to come and open your heart, open your life, and ask him in and, and receive him and believe in him. You can pray with me now. You can say, Jesus, I, I'm dark. I'm in the dark. I, I have no love in my heart. So please, I, I ask you to come in. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me and to give me eternal life and eternal love. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?